Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast. <laughs> we got to whisper a little bit here. Uh, we have, we're making Cover 3 Podcast history as we, uh, as we look at 3.40 a.m. Eastern Time here in Fort Lauderdale. We have just returned from Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, the final score in case your first news of this game uh, is... Alabama 45, Oklahoma 34, uh, Clemson 30, Notre Dame 3. Our college football playoff national championship game is set. It's going to be Alabama-Clemson number four. They've met twice in a national championship game before. This will be the third. They met once in a national semifinal. It's 2-1 to one, Alabama. Um, where do you want to start here? I, I kind of feel like I want to unpack. Can we work backwards? Or do you want to start forward and then work? To, What's uh, working backwards mean? Start with uh, Alabama, Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, we're one beer in here, <laughs> 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 just to give you le- you know the level of uh, our informality right now. Uh, we you know this it was either recorded at three forty in the morning, one beer in, right? Or probably not at all. Right. I got to catch a flight here pretty soon. And in out ou- literally in hours. <laughs> literally. I will be finished with this. There will be no sleeping tonight. I will catch a plane, go home, and be having dad duty for the rest of the day. So we got we to gotta get this we gotta in. We got to get this in now because there was no way we were going to be able to convince our wives to give us like uh, a, the hour we would need on Sunday to be able to knock this out. Here's what I, here's what I want to start. Okay. Uh, I feel like the wool was pulled over our eyes. I, I feel like this was... I feel like we got punked on Tua. I feel like, yeah, I feel like we, we this was just a big, big old prank. Like it, so Tua says has eighty to eighty-five percent. That guy's. I can't decide whether he is just, and he'd be a hundred percent by game time. Is one of two things here: is is I underestimate how honest Tua is, right? Or I underestimate how crafty Tua is, because he might have he he may have been saying he may have been soft selling it. Saying 85 percent, when in reality he's feeling great. I, like even I, I wonder if even some of the practice video, well, okay. that was leaking out was like the ginger, like barely like prancing around uh, on the, the 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 agility drills. After the game, he did credit his the the twenty four hour protocol. After the game, in his comments, he said that the last twenty four hours, from the treatment perspective, were great, and I do believe. That, and I'm sure everything was within the rules, but I do believe that Alabama's training staff had a, a recovery plan in place that involved, you know, whatever kind of treatments they were going to give him, it was going to be peaking to have him feeling great. And you know what? He might be sore as hell True. tomorrow. True. But he looked... But he looked 100%. He looked 100%. Yeah. He, looked 100%. Yeah. He, he got hit. Uh, and and you you made a great point on this uh, uh, on video after the after the um, uh, the game 
you know, we've seen Tua get hit. Uh, at Mississippi State, he got hit bad. Next play through interception. Georgia, I believe the same thing happened, right? Yep. When he when he took his bad hit, next play through interception. Yep. Well, we knew he was hobbled. I guess second drive of the game, they went down. For, you know, he had a you know, pulled on his own read or something or an RPO. And oh, it was a busted play. Or was it a busted play or yeah, rollout? Yeah. Either way, yeah. he got he got tackled. He got and sacked I, and, for a six-yard loss. And we were all looking around, or I was thinking, like, okay, well, let's see how he get, you know, how's he look after this? That was a freaking dime of a touchdown dark, pass to Henry yeah, Ruggs. Yeah, for a touchdown. <laughs> and then, so not only was he looking agile and smooth in the pocket, but he, he was comfortable running. He got downfield. So... He yeah you know, he had it he had it all so the Tua thing was was clearly overblown and 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 Tua's back yeah Tua is going to Tua in this offense um, is fully operational like right. Death Star level and yes. I thought Josh Jacobs had a great game Josh I thought ninety six awesome. rushing yards and you know we we had talked a little bit about him. As you know, the game got closer. I remember I mentioned a couple times. I was like, I think, I think that the I think Alabama might be able to run the ball right here. But it wasn't even just traditional running stuff because they were throwing. We had a lot of swing passes. Remember, it, it felt like it was a lot of extend the run. It was test the outside, see if Oklahoma can make uh, tackles on the perimeter. And as 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 we're looking at this Alabama team, you're just sitting there and you're thinking, man. They have seven different ways to beat you right now. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, it truly, if they wanted to, against certainly against that team, like because I think in the second half, once Kyler Murray kind of got it going, you could see Alabama sort of pulling back a little bit on the pace. We're gonna pound them a little bit. We're gonna punish them a little bit. Uh, assert our authority on the offensive side of the ball in a different way. And they did that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's you know, pick your poison. It's okay. all there. So we've got uh, Tua definitely pulled the wool over our eyes. Kyler Murray also, after a one for five passing in the first quarter, oh, look. six for 13 yeah. in the first half, things finally popped up. And he finally showed. And some of it, as you mentioned, was fatigue for the Alabama defense, but isn't that part of the... Oh, it's part of it. Absolutely. It's part of the Oklahoma identity. I mean, no it's doubt. that keep fighting, keep playing. You know, we're going to put 21 points up in the fourth quarter against Texas and and fall short, but then we're going to put up, you know, 21 points in the fourth quarter against Texas in the Big 12 championship game, and we're going to make it win. Like, the, the microcosm and the identity of this Oklahoma team from everything that I've experienced with them down here is that they just... They, they believe that if there was a fifth quarter here that they would win this ballgame. Well, look, the um, I think I I I, I kind of smile when I think back to the the media availability we had with the Alabama team, and you go around, you talk to the defensive players, and you ask them what they, you know, uh, how are you going to slow down this offense, and what do you think about this offense, and uh, how good is Kyler Murray, and you think of the Quinn and Williams quote, where Quinn and Williams starts to say. I don't you think know, he's all that I don't good. think he's all that. And then he catches himself <laughs> and says, uh, basically tries to <laughs> try, hopes everyone forgets he started that sentence. But there was a very clear confidence that wasn't fake, that wasn't manufactured. Alabama knew something we didn't in terms of what they thought they could do to this team, 
this Oklahoma team. And they did it. They jumped out to 28 nothing, And, and right. a big part of that wasn't the 28 points. It was the nothing. It was the part of it where Alabama, like, you're going to score on, on Oklahoma. We all know you're going to score on Oklahoma. But Oklahoma's going to score on you. And that's what they weren't doing. And I think Alabama, we talked about leading up to the game, the line of scrimmage is so important. Quentin Williams had one tackle, but he dominated the first quarter. Agreed. Was totally dominant against the best offensive line in America. And that – that you know that that changed the whole complexion of the game in the first quarter in the first 17 minutes changed the whole complexion of the game Oklahoma uh, started 0 for 5 on third down right they, like it it was a a big time problem for Oklahoma um and that Alabama defense at, at times when they needed it they were able to step up and create uh those kind of game changing plays and even once uh Oklahoma's offense got rolling I mean, I, I look back to, you know, the, the Alabama defense being able to force those field goals. You know, yeah. those, those drives, like once the, the Sooners finally got their legs under them, and we were, you know, sitting around and like, oh, you're not going to beat Alabama kicking field goals. That's probably right. But I think that instead of criticizing Oklahoma, my lingering impact will, will be, especially from hearing, hearing them talk about it after the game, they were like, yeah, we, we knew we were going to give up yards. We knew we were going to give up points, but we also knew that there were going to be critical plays where we had to get off the field. Nick Saban talked about that, and he said that even, you know, even though the final score went over, even though Oklahoma covered the spread, Nick Saban was very, very proud of his team and very proud of his defense for the way that they stepped up in critical moments. Yes, and, and I think for Oklahoma – I, you know, one of the keys that I wrote about before the game was they got to get turnovers. Uh, and look, when you look at this game, had Oklahoma gotten one of those West Virginia, you know, scooping scores, if they had gotten the, you know, the the safety um, that they got against Texas, uh, that big late in the game critical turnover, they had a ch- they could have won it. They had yes. a chance. Yes. They didn't get it. And that's not that's not by chance they didn't get it. They Alabama doesn't turn the ball over. That's what's remarkable this Alabama team is as explosive as it is. It also doesn't you don't there's not the flip side of that where yeah, you're going to get your explosiveness, but you know, you'll turn the ball over every once in a while. Like no, there's really not there's all the upside and none of the none of the risk. Um this is not a particularly relevant to the big picture question, but especially as we're sitting here in the aftermath of it, and after, and you know, I, I heard this conversation. I didn't take part in it, but do you think that that game was unremarkable? Uh, where are you going with this? Just, I mean, I felt like it was a clean game. You know, we were almost surprised. We're like, oh yeah, shoot, there were zero turnovers in this game. Yeah. How many times do we have games uh, that are played at this level where nobody makes a mistake? especially after a long – well, I mean, there were a lot of mistakes. There were tons of miscues. I think they combined for 17 penalties. Uh, there were procedural issues. So I, I guess I, I will – There was some chippiness. There was some chirping. There was some chirping. But there were, no, there were no turnovers in this game. Zero turnovers Oklahoma. Zero turnovers for Alabama. Obviously, as you just mentioned, that was big for Oklahoma because that was like the one thing that they might have needed. But I, I feel like that game – even though there were lots of twists and turns and being there, it had uh, almost everything that you would have wanted. I, I felt like it, it's not going to linger for very long. 
Is it because Alabama won and Alabama jumped out to that big lead and everyone wrote it off in their head? There's some moments in that game that are pretty seared in my mind. Good. What like what? Okay, for one, Tua's running 50-yard dime to uh, Charleston Rambo. No, Kyler's. I'm sorry, Kyler's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah he's, uh, he like sprints around, yes. he kind of extends the play, and yeah. then he just drops it in the breadbasket. That's one. Uh, the other one is Josh Jacobs putting Robert Barnes to sleep. Oh, he just dear. Tr- like truck sticks him at the goal line. Am I too soft for not have gotten, gotten as excited about that? And my instant reaction was like, guys, he might have killed someone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that guy's so fun to watch. Uh, just because of the way, the physical nature he plays with. And then I just, you know, I think that Ruffin McNeil is going to go to sleep tonight just, tr- like, thinking of all those, like, slant routes to Devontae Smith that just, there's just no one close to him. Um, so. Oh, yeah, the first, the, the very first play of the game was a slant route to Devonta Smith that he ran for 50 yards. Right, right. Uh, but. No, I mean I think um I think that this this was a, a a reassertion of dominance and I think that it's a it's scary. I mean this Alabama team's all back. Um and I don't know. I mean we we're going to probably we should probably touch on the Clemson game too, but they're they're going to play Clemson and Clemson's all back next year too for the most part. I mean they're going to lose a lot, but they got a lot of key pieces back next year and uh, we got a lot of Clemson-Bama coming up uh, starting next weekend. I think that this – and, I mean, we're going to be previewing this, and we're going to – I don't want to, like, unhatch all my takes, but I, I will say that part of my Clemson pick is thinking that Clemson – Clemson's going to have Trevor Lawrence, and Clemson's going to have Justin Ross, and Clemson's going to have Travis Etienne, and Clemson's going to have lots of guys. And, like, uh, like for example, I think Xavier Thomas – Right? Freshman? Sophomore? Yes. He's a true freshman. True freshman. Yes. Instant, instant impact kind of guy. He has come in and he has flashed. He has popped. He's been very impressive. I think that the I think that this is Clemson's year. I think Alabama could come back and win the national championship next year pretty easily. I don't think that Clemson could do it next year pretty easily. This I think with Austin Bryant, I think with Christian Wilkins, I think with Cleland Farrell. I mean, there's just there's a lot of players uh, on that Clemson defense in particular that have just – they've just been in the starting lineup for a long time. Yeah. And I'm just – even though there are players behind them that are ready, uh, that that has a little bit more to do with my feeling just in, in the big, weird college football world that it might be their time. And also the idea that uh, you you deemed Trevor Lawrence kind of the one of those quarterbacks is like – that's a quarterback that can win you a national championship. And it's just weird when it happens too early. Yeah. Sometimes we see that in college football and I could see that coming together too. Well, I want to, I do want to hit on the Oklahoma side of this um, too, because I'm curious what you think. First of all, I want to say this Oklahoma really impressed me with, I mean, they were, they were down 28, nothing to the number one team in the country and they, battled like they now they got their tail whooped on defense um you know they never really gave much resistance on defense correct but offensively those guys those guys battled 
And I thought that was impressive, fun to watch. Uh, Kyler Murray was amazing. Uh, and and that whole unit just, you know, you, 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 know, you got to respect their resilience. Um, but all that said, I wonder where you think Lincoln Riley has this program in terms of how close, how close or how far away are they to being on Alabama's level as a program? Far. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not a knock on Oklahoma. Yeah. I think Oklahoma to me is uh, right now. How about this? Right now at this moment, Oklahoma's ahead of USC. And right now at this moment, I think Oklahoma's ahead of LSU. Well, I think Oklahoma's – I mean, I think they're, they're inarguably on the, the tier below – like the, the next tier below Alabama-Clemson. I think maybe you could argue Georgia is, is on the Alabama-Clemson tier. No? You're not ready for that yet? I'm not ready for that. Okay. I, I think So is Georgia is, – is, is, is Oklahoma on the Georgia tier? Yes. Are they on a, on a tier together? And I think Ohio State's on that tier too. Okay. But that's about it, right? That's about it. Okay. So yeah, Clemson, and, Alabama, and Georgia's new to this. And right. and you know, I do. Even though Oklahoma has yet to win a college football playoff semifinal, they're zero for three and they're zero for six in their last uh, big postseason appearances. That's that's not great. But if we're just talking about the the general competitiveness, Oklahoma's identity and the fact that they've gone through the transition, the fact they've come out stronger to go from from Baker to Kyler, and now we've got Spencer Rattler coming. I, I really believe that they deserve a spot in that tier alongside the like, you know, the the blue bloods of Georgia and Ohio State. But we got to remember Oklahoma is if you know we trace this all the way back to what the start of the seventies, I guess. You know, in the last fifty right. years, they've got more success than Georgia. They just Oklahoma's just got to get. Decent on defense. Just gotta get, just gotta get average on defense. Um, it seems like that's not that much to ask. It, <laughs> it is. It just seems like it's just, just give us a, just give us an average unit. Give us like, like take Indiana's defense. Take Indiana's defense. Give us Indiana's defense. Give us. Arizona State's defense. <laughs> like, why can't they give us that? <laughs> <laughs> but you, uh, you've mentioned this this week. There are talented individual players. I think. I mean, I think. Right. I, I mean, maybe. I, I don't know where the disconnect is. Play, it is the style. <sighs> what does that even mean? I tried to ask Ruffin McNeil that this week. I tried, I tried to ask him, what, like, what are the challenges of complementing a explosive an explosive offense like this and cr- and creating a dominant defense to pair with it. And, and then he started talking about he his talked beach about house. a lot of stuff. <laughs> it was a long answer, <laughs> but I didn't I didn't get a satisfactory response uh, to where I understood it. Uh, so I don't know. Caleb Kelly told me he thought he played a really good game and he he had a tackle for loss or two and he said that. Uh, because I asked him, um, I, I said, you know, what was what moment from this game do you think twenty years from now you're going to look back on and be talking about with relatives? Like, are you, you know, wh- how do you feel about this game? He's like, I'm really proud of my play, and that's weird considering that Alabama 
scored touchdowns on all but two possessions. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Caleb Kelly's only oh, one. No, no, man. no. They, there was one a field goal, so they scored on all but two possessions, and you know they they. They have as a team, you know what it is? The entire team identity is based around the offense. And that probably comes from the fact that the head coach runs the offense. And when when that I think that when that's in place, it it runs through the entire locker room. I think there look yeah, I, I don't know how Lincoln Raleigh operates that program with the you know, I've not seen the way he pulls up practice and I've not seen the way but there there's there may be something to that. Like, when there are two units that are not operating in sync with each other, that that's not that doesn't work. It's just it doesn't. I, and I, I played in college. My our head coach was a was an offensive guy, and when we kicked their ass in practice, at the end of practice he'd pull up and it, and he and he would tear the team apart. Because the team had a bad practice, like wait, I didn't have bad practice. I'm playing. I just, I just <laughs> whooped those guys rear end. Right. So uh, it's it's I don't know, I don't know if that's part of it or whether or they're, whether he's, they're not protecting the defense enough. Maybe they need to find a way to milk the, clock the fr- sometimes. Yeah, the phrase they keep using is like, oh yeah, we just got to keep fighting, and they say keep fighting, but the, to me, what I've realized that phrase means is Oklahoma just believes we got to keep giving the ball back to the offense. Right. Like, we, we got to do whatever we need to do to be able to put the ball back in the offense's hands because if we give the ball to Coach Riley's offense, they're going to score touchdowns. Right. And there's just something about that, that mentality there, that I, I think that that gives the results where you're going to give up a bunch of yards, you're going to give up a bunch of points. But guess what? This team, at the end of the day, was a 12-1. and one. I guess they're going to finish 12-2. and two. Big 12 champions. Four-time Big 12 champions. Four-time Four Big 12 champions. And I don't know. I just, you know, we, we talked about this earlier. If uh, if those field goal drives end up being touchdowns, if they get one more turnover, we've identified, like, Alabama's offense played terrific. And yet, because of that Oklahoma offense, Oklahoma was four plays away from winning this game. It's amazing. It is really amazing. As bad as 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 as, I mean, as as badly as that Oklahoma defense got dominated. Oh, you had a chance. Um, Final totals: Alabama five hundred twenty-eight yards, Oklahoma four hundred seventy-one. Um, final yeah. final average yards per play: seven point five for Alabama, six point eight for Oklahoma. They were right there. Yeah. They were right there. They had a 28-0 deficit. And by the end of the game, the box score and the final score look exactly like what we thought it might be. Right. Over, Oklahoma covers, both teams averaging about six yards per play. I show you this box score, and you think it was a back and forth. Like, it was not obviously the box score with the, the drive count and you being able to see that. But if I just show you the statistics... The final statistics, you would think it was a back-and-forth, touchdown-for-touchdown game. And it just wasn't the case at all. And that's probably the most interesting wrinkle to me, probably, about this game. That's that's what made it... uh, That's what's going to make it maybe not last as long is because no one could really figure it out. Everyone had wrote in their mind 
the Alabama victory. Like we were laughing about it. Like, all right, buddy. So what are we going to want right now? Like, like we had all moved on to Alabama Clemson in our minds. And now it's only now that we're like, wait a second. What do you think is a more accurate statement that this was a deceptively close game or that this was a deceptively dominating game? I know what I think. I think it was deceptively dominating. I think it was deceptively close. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, because uh, be only here's here's why only because Alabama turtled up, and if it was deceptively close, that would indicate that Alabama all of a sudden met resistance, and because Alabama's offense never met resistance, even as it was literally turtling up, stopping the up tempo, stopping uh, as much of the downfield passing attack. I mean, the entire last 20 minutes of game clock was Alabama just trying to get out of there. I guess, I guess. But, I mean, the, at the same time, that defense, by, by one drive into the second half, the defense was gassed. Like, and they were gassed the rest of the way. So if, if, if Oklahoma gets, gets traction one drive earlier in the first half, I don't know. I just it, – it, Alabama's – I'm just – yeah, I just I think it was an interesting game, but do you do you have any more? Is there anything else you want to dig in on this? I think before I go catch my flight, we should probably touch on Clemson Notre Dame. Clemson Notre Dame too. So you got anything? Any any, any final lingering things you want to hit on with the uh, Orange Bowl? Uh, no, I th- I th- I do think that um, I do think it'll be interesting to watch Lincoln Riley. I think that he is, you know, we, we talked about it. I, I, I had a little bit of that, that human moment with him in the bowels where he had come off the press conference and he'd come off another interview and another interview. And I was like walking out of the locker room after interviewing a bunch of players. I had shout out to junior. He's the man. He was with us all week. I had junior like behind me. He's like carrying the light, holding it in the air. I'm like holding the microphone. Hey man, and he just looks and he just like has this just exhausted, emotionally depleted look on his face. He pauses for a moment. He's like, "Man. Nah, man. <laughs> like, if you need something, I've given it to like yeah. many places where you can get it. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I've been on TV, I've been at the podium, I've been this that or the other. I'm done." I was like, "All right, I got it." And you you talked about it too. He's just Lincoln Riley to me. Uh, we don't we don't get. I I could be getting my the the wool pulled over my eyes in the same day, way that we did by Tua, but I am very much looking forward to watching him over the next six years. Absolutely, we're going to see him, and I think in the next six years we see him in the college football playoff three to four times. Sure, guess, yeah. They got the quarterbacks coming in. And if and if they win a national championship, the only thing keeping them from winning a national championship is Alabama. That's a big thing. And that's a very <laughs> big thing. Nick Saban is 67 years old in good health, and I think he's got four more years. So Yeah, he looks better than I do. Um, okay, so let's go on to uh, Clemson-Notre Dame. Uh, less interesting game, more dominating game. For sure. 
left. There's nothing deceptively. No, no, yeah, we don't need to. There's no. Fortunately, there's no reason to dwell on it too much. Um, I, I, you know, I think Julian Love getting hurt was a game changer. Absolutely. Alohi Gilman got a little banged up. He stayed in, but he he didn't look like he was. He looked pretty gassed as well, just from getting banged up. Um, and and Notre Dame couldn't. They just couldn't move the football and get give their defense. Like I, one thing that stood out, um, they got Washington. They got Washington. They did get Washington. Yeah, you know they just and and you know they looked so good against all these opponents all year long, but then you meet a team that's on a different level and you just haven't seen anybody like that. And but it's but where different. I was where I was going though is I think like had they gotten a score. You know, had they gotten up, you know, when it was whatever it went to. It was nine to three, and things were up in the air. Right, and so say say they get it to ten to nine, say they get a touchdown, big play, um, kick return, just they get in. Or, or no, I mean, I think it. I think it had to be has to be the offense. I think if the offense gets puts together a drive or gets a big play and gets a touchdown, I I just think that that would have given a little more life to that defense because it, it's a helpless feeling to be on the defensive side of the ball. And not really have any confidence your offense is ever going to score, and you just keep on trotting out there, and you keep on facing the facing the bullets and facing the live, you know, the fire, and and it's hard to guard Justin. Throw Ross it up to Justin to Ross and T Higgins enough time they're going to catch a couple. Yes. So it was a little bit, uh, you know, I just think it just you know, and you just need a little, and and that was heading into the game. I find myself as I kind of think back on all my talks. All my hits I had, and sound bites, and talking about the game and previewing it. I'm always talking about how this in the same Notre Dame as 2012. They got all these talented players. They got all these NFL guys. Da 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 da. But the guys I rattle off are the defensive guys, and and they and the offense is good. But I don't think the offense, even though they've got players and and books good and Claypool and Boykin are big, and yet I don't think that side of the ball has the NFL guys. And that's that's kind of got to have NFL guys. Yeah, you got to have like dudes to beat that Clemson this, team. So, so that's the interesting. The talking points coming from this game are all Notre Dame centric, right? Yeah, because yeah. Clemson's just Clemson, and I mean, you, you know, we can talk about Trevor Lawrence being the, you know, the the golden god with beautiful locks and can do no wrong and. Yeah, we've but, been we've been saying that since yeah, February. We've been talking about that since he's a freshman in high school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's sort of like how I mean, what I what what I said to you, I think my comment to you today after the game was like, what like I, if I'm Brian Kelly, I mean, I'm, this is how coaches think. So I guess it doesn't. I guess this is just sort of a a, a very media fan perspective. But what is where do you go from like? How much better can you get if you're Notre Dame? You're not your roster. This is just sort of who what your roster is under Brian Kelly, and it's you're you're gonna go. You know, you go you grind out another twelve and zero season next year. I guarantee you, it's gonna be more of the same in the playoffs. Mm. You just you're not. That's not a team that's going to beat Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and maybe not Oklahoma. You know, and maybe not Ohio State. Like though, the teams that have the freaks, I still think that the Notre Dame is playing at a different talent level than the freaks. 
how can I mean, is there a way for that gap to be closed? I mean, is is basically Notre Dame you continue to do what you do, you continue to try and be consistent and you hope that the teams with the freaks mess up? I mean, is is, is that ultimately I mean, what this comes down to? I don't know. I mean, Notre Dame's recruiting okay. And they've, you know, I've been I've been uh singing the praises of their strength coach, Matt Bayless, who is in year three right now. So he's in year three, he sort of turned around a roster that was four and eight, and now they're twelve and zero. And so you let him keep on working on these guys, and if they keep on recruiting in the top ten range, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they keep on getting better and and, and leveling up ever so slightly. I just it's it's going to be hard. I think it'll be next year. You know, I mean they're they're unless they get now now the other you know maybe what part of what they're missing in this thing was a just dynamic like they what if Notre Dame had a Tua or a Trevor Lawrence Trevor Lawrence yeah or you know I mean you have that one of those kind of guys at quarterback or Justin Fields um then that you know you they I think they have the players around that but I don't you can't you know that could, I mean I, as much as I respect what Ian Book did for that team this year that's he is you can't just be a distributor to good players and beat Clemson or Alabama. You you gotta have great players around you or you have to be a great player at quarterback. What was the last team that did not have freaks that won a national championship? I don't think that we've seen it in the last twenty years. It's a great question. Yeah. I think that's a good I think that in the BCS era and that's not talking about necessarily the the BCS itself or necessarily the well especially in the college football playoff cuz you got to win two games instead of winning one but I just I you know Nebraska Nebraska didn't have freaks like in 95 you're talking about yeah <sighs> and, no, know, and Nebraska ruled college football for a hot minute you know they got the national championships but they were also like it really, really dominant in that time. But I don't know if since Nebraska, maybe the Ohio State team, and they had Maurice Claret. That yeah, that's probably the that's probably the the most the the last team that didn't have. I mean, the they, had, they had some dudes. I mean, they had, uh, I yeah, don't know. I don't think so. I think I think I think a review of those Jim Tressel Ohio State teams reveal for the most part. Uh, teams that were far inferior to the freaks that we're used to seeing Ohio State have now. Maybe. I'll dig into that team a little bit. I mean, I guess they had a bunch of NFL guys, but maybe not a bunch of first-rounders. Is that kind of what we're thinking? Yeah, because those same Ohio State teams lost to LSU, and uh, they went to two straight BCS national championships and lost them both. Well, I, I, the answer the answer is Auburn. The answer is 2010 Auburn. They um, didn't have freaks, but well, they had Cam Newton. They had the super freaks. Yeah, the super freaks. <laughs> right. So that's my point. So like yeah, that's yeah. how like yeah, you know Notre Dame can they're they are playing at a level where they can win a national championship if they have a guy that can okay, put them cool. on their shoulders. A generational right. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. right. If you have an <laughs> alien who who types on Instagram in fonts and words that no one else can understand because he writes backwards and upside down, <laughs> and he happens to be seven feet tall, three hundred pounds, and run like a four two forty. Yeah. Right. Yes. 
Good yes. luck. <laughs> right. <laughs> go recruit yourself. Actually, go buy an avatar yeah. for $180,000 <laughs> or whatever else Cecil's charging these days. And yeah, you can, you can get them. But I, I, yeah, I'm, I just, I wonder if you got to have, like, if you're Notre Dame, it's going to be really, really tough to win a national championship. And that's where, hey, I've been saying it all season, college football, like, we, especially here in the college football playoff, we're talking about the national championship. But if you're Brian Kelly and you said coaches don't think like this, college football is not really about the national championship. But by whose, by whose definition? I think that a college football coach wants to compete and he wants to grow young men. Well, of course, wants, of course, but. If like, you're okay, so I guess it's, it's, I guess I guess I shouldn't I shouldn't I shouldn't say it if you're Brian Kelly. I should, what I should say is like if you're a Notre Dame fan. Yeah, is a defeatist mentality to think that it, that you have to win the national championship or the season is lost. Like I I, I really wonder what I, I'd I'd like to take the temperature of the Notre Dame fan base. This was an awesome year for them. Correct. Awesome year. They should be thrilled. Brady Quinn said on Twitter. They played their three worst quarters of the season. Second, third, and fourth quarter. I, I mean, guess it. He only said their three worst quarters, but right. that's going back to what we were saying where it was like nine to three. Clemson was making some mistakes. Notre Dame was making mis- some mistakes. Through one quarter of play, the Cotton Bowl was up for grabs. And then at the end of the first half, you and I go down uh, to the field to shoot a CBS Sports HQ hit. And everybody's like, oh, my God, that was the greatest catch ever. We're like, what happened? It's like, oh, it's 23-3 to three at halftime. Right. Yeah. I, I guess, you know, if you're a Notre Dame fan, are you excited about this year? Or are you like, you are, in some ways, I would feel a little resigned to the fact that, like, man, I guess we're just sort of going to be, like, eating at the kids' table at Thanksgiving for – as as long as, like, when when is this going to change? It doesn't help that all of the Georgia and Ohio State players got on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, that was a little bit of a, yeah. I, I and that's a, a you know if if this result and if this season had taken place in two thousand two, I think Notre Dame fans are much more happy with their season. And if Clemson goes on to the win in the national championship, they're like, I mean, we had a great season. We just we ran into the wrong team in the semifinals. But no, even if Clemson wins the national championship, Notre Dame fans aren't feeling that way because they are also on Twitter. <laughs> and they also are seeing everybody else get all angry and point their finger and be like, see, Notre Dame never belonged. Yeah, and, and there is... Uh, there's probably a level of like, you know what? We're Notre Dame. We're used to people hating us. All right, we 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 had a great year. But Let's there was see. another conference champion, and there was, the, so, what what did it come down to? Uh, Ohio State don't get beat by per, don't have Purdue run you out of the building, and if you're Georgia, don't lose to LSU by twenty. Right? Yeah, that's all it is. That's all it is. But if you're a Notre Dame fan, it does stink to have those two very, very loud and plentiful <laughs> fan bases spending, what, the rest of the offseason and probably all of next season all up in your business? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is – yeah, there, there was um, – College football is a talking sport, and, and all we're going to be talking about this offseason is this Notre Dame loss. Right, and will, and, and, and will there be a lingering effect on this Notre Dame loss in future playoff decisions, you know, if it's close? Oh, and that's not even to start on the UCF fans that were popping up out of the oh, woodworks yeah. today. Like, if it's close, will there be a, will there be a Notre Dame bias since now they're 0 for 2 in, in like, championship implication postseason games where they've gotten – They're 0 for 6. And their average mo- over six in New Year's six bowls, yeah. And uh, their average loss is by fourteen points. Oh, I thought I thought I was already using higher than that. Yeah, that's yeah. It's not good. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not ideal. Um. All right. Well, we'll have to say. Oh no no no! Average loss was by twenty four points. The least amount of that's points. Was, yeah, yeah twenty four sounds yeah, which is crazy. Twenty four is the average. Fourteen is the least. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, well, we'll have to save the Harbaugh talk, the Mullen talk, a couple other nuggets for future pods uh, as we're now 4.17 a.m. And I got to go catch a flight and go be a dad and try to finish oh, writing you, the story you, for our editor. Wait, you actually need to, like, leave right now. I literally have to go, <laughs> like... Like, I don't even have time to shower. No. Like, I have to go to the airport. Okay. (laughs) For Barton Simmons, I'm Chip Patterson. (laughs) Safe travels, my man. Later. Later.